Hello, everybody. Welcome to the TD Green Podcast. I'm Kevin Sylvester, along with PGA Pro Jeff Metis. We are brought to you by Donald Ross Sportswear. We love Donald Ross Sportswear. Some great stuff and can't wait to wear the new uh, TD Green stuff they sent us already, Jeff. So We'll be looking good. It's, I, it's slimming that Donald Ross Sportswear. It is. Yes. Um, and you know how I love gear. Yes. So <laughs> <laughs> keep sending it, Donald Ross. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's uh, quick talk about um, what happened in the playoff at Kapalua. Now, the winds were uh, gusting to 38 miles per hour. Yep. Uh, you know, putts being blown offline. And people, are, oh, how can a putt be blown offline? It happens. You know, if I can jump in right away, yeah. putts, it's the hardest thing to do in the wind. Um, it's easier to hit a solid six iron than it is to hit a 20 foot putt yeah, because you don't know how much that putt's going to be affected by the wind. So I've seen it a million times and, and plus your stance isn't as stable when it's windy. So it is, it is definitely difficult to putt in the wind. Yeah. And if you're putting with a flag stick in that thing's you know, whipping, right. whipping all around and having been there at Kapalua and played Kapalua, uh, I played it last year right after the tournament and we we're play- so number eight, for example, the longest it played was 198 this year, 202 maybe. Um, maybe it's 208, whatever, less, you know, just over 200 yards over the gorge, the holes named gorge. The day I was playing it, it was playing dead into the wind. I took a three wood. It was playing 198 yardage, three wood and barely made it over the gorge, barely made it over the gorge because the wind was so strong. So, and then of course you'd have a downhill, you know, the wind with you, like a number 10, I think I had 30 yards to the green on humpback. I'm like, wow, there's the wind for you. And, and it strikes me as that's one of those courses like Augusta, you don't get the sense of how much elevation the change there is unless you've actually been there. Yes. Oh, the, the, the walk is incredible. Yeah. One of the fun things uh, we did, and the, the fellow I did it with uh, proposed it to his boss um, for digital, and they did it on a practice day, was tee off on five, hit over – the, the the big gorge to the sixth green. Mm-hmm. This is two hundred sixty yard carry. I did a closest to the pin contest. Of the play, like, pretty cool deal. It that was, must have been fun. It was fun. When we did it, it was fun. We we all cleared it. Uh, I was in the rough. Uh, one guy made the green. The other one just in front of the green. It was, and then then we saw the group in front is, of us coming down. Is so. two sixty your normal carry with a driver? Uh, well, listen, it was down. No, it is not. <laughs> no downhill. And a uh, little bit of wind aided, yes, yeah. to, to carry all that. Yeah, I mean, people, people play, listen. You don't carry two sixty. I guarantee most of you don't carry two sixty. Yes, that's a that's a pretty good carry. You got to be up in the one fifty five ball speed, one sixty oh. ball speed. I think to get that kind of carry. Yeah. Yeah. And few people listening. They all think they do. Approach 120 <laughs> in ball speed, right? Would that right. be right? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, your club head speed plus yeah, it's your club head speed's about two thirds. But, but what I wanted to ask you was uh, the playoff. What mm-hmm. I would talk about in the playoff. So you had a three-man playoff. Justin Thomas, um, uh, Xander Schauffele, who was the defending champion, Patrick Reed. Reed had played uh, be- beautifully during the day. I mean, just was lights out, especially with the putter. And he had to wait. Thomas had the one-stroke lead going to the final hole. His second shot just turns it over into the hay uh, in the hazard, which everybody's like, why? <laughs> how could he do this? And then after that, Xander Schauffele three putts the green, essentially, uh, to force a playoff. What I think people forget is they're human and nerves take over a little bit here, right? I mean, there's there's pressure. 
So, Kev, tell me what's he hitting in that shot, though. So he's he got a three wood. I know he had a three wood, but it's, it's a downhill lie. Downhill right? lie. Where's had, the wind? Uh, wind was right to left. Right to left. And right so, any kind of, you know, so you expect to peel it or, or slice it as a right hander off a downhill lie a little bit. But if that wind, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't happen. The wind's pushing that way. He, it looked like he hit it solid, but maybe pulled it. If it's, if it's right, he's, if it's right of the gorge there, he's in good shape, right? It, it yes, it's per- I, I think he caught a little thin too. Okay, um, which you know, add spin. It was a low bullet, and he knew it immediately. He just knew it immediately. That's in the hazard. He knew it immediately. It wasn't like oh, go, 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 uh, carry something. He just knew it immediately. I think he sh- think he turned it over. How many times have we seen players in the heat of the Masters dump it in the water on fifteen? Sure, with a much shorter club, with a much more level lie. Look at Molinari last year. Yep, ruined his season. Frankly, he admitted it afterward. He said, you know, I, it really just I, things went downhill from putting in the water on 12 and putting in the water on 15. But what did he do after that? What did Justin Thomas do after he hit it in the, in the goop? Well, they went up, they looked for the ball, right. didn't yeah. find the ball, took his drop, but, put it on the surface and made a putt. Make, comported himself, got back. Yes. Yeah, he didn't let it affect the next shot. Yeah, that's that's why he wins. Yeah, yeah. And, and then they go to the playoff and, and you know, he, he's able to carry the hazard. Everybody made par, they go back. Uh, it was he and Patrick Reed. They both make birdie the next time, and then in the and and by the way, on television, um, it doesn't uh, give an accurate picture of how dark it is. Oh, they, they, they open, open up the iris. Right? Iris is all the way open. I mean, it looks like there's light, but no, it was. Uh, in, it, if he didn't make the putt, now Patrick Reed uh, blew the putt by, um, and didn't make the comebacker, and uh, well, he needed to make it anyways. Um, and he he went ahead, and then Justin Thomas needed to make the putt, and he does uh, mm-hmm. to win. Um, but it was dark, which is difficult to play in. I think the people appreciate that enough of what these guys are trying to do to try to get it down and to win. And considering who he's playing against, yeah. I mean, you, you've got a, another major champion there. You've got Xander Schauffele, a great young player. Um, you know, these guys want to win bad. One thing I like that he said uh, when he's going to hit his third, his approach shot, and Jimmy Johnson, his caddy, said, well, you know, something that's safe. He goes, this isn't about being safe. we got to get this close. Loved it. Yes. I, I love playing aggressive. That's how you win. Right, and he's playing to win. You know, he's playing he's playing against good players. I and, and that's the mentality, Kevin, you've been out there with these tour players. That's the mentality of the good players all the time now. It's not, when, when I grew up trying to play, you you know, pars had more value. There, there's – Pars have a lot less value with these very good players right now, and you're aiming at pins from the moment you tee it up Thursday morning because um, you know you have to go low, and you're trying to win. You got one guy to beat, and that guy's very good, so you got to hit your best shot there. Yeah, I, I, I thought I, I thought that was the best uh, part of the audio. The, the other thing, people they were, have great interactions. I, I love when they pick up the audio with the kids. Yes, yes, yeah. Well, man. there are some there are some uh, groups that you know, hey, come on, back off a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, they'll say, but. Uh, it's usually the same people each week uh, carrying the shotgun mics uh, around there. Believe it or not, we have to we we have to be aware of them for PGA Tour Radio because they don't want to pick us up uh, on the mic. I, my point is, look, look at I'm usually there before they are. If they're picking me up, it's their fault. <laughs> they're pointing that thing in the wrong direction. Who got in trouble for his mouth with the open mic? Uh, that was that week too. On, uh, well, Patrick Cantlay. Patrick Cantlay. Yes, yes about yes. the mai tai and yes, yes, yes. yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? We right. Want, we like the open mics, but until <laughs> yes. Well, if you're if you're a player on the PGA Tour, or an athlete uh, in any sport, you've got to recognize there's probably a mic and camera on you at all times. Which, by the way, um, and 
Patrick Reed had a ruling issue, and the cameras are right there. And I have a well. Listen, I could imagine. Well, they're going to be there all the time. Well, yep. number one, he's Patrick Reed. He's one of the best players in the world. So he's, uh, he's in the hunt too. He's in the hunt all yep. the time. He's a he's a player to watch certainly. Uh, but when there's a ruling thing, um, and and frankly, let's take him out of this for a second. Any player now. Most players, I've only seen a few that just go ahead and take their drops without the rules official, but they all bring the rules official over for the most part, and I'm talking 98% of them, because they don't want to get it wrong Correct. because of all the eyes that are on them. Which is shocking because they don't even do the simple drops, you know, cart path, or, you know, even if the ball's on a cart path, they call a, uh, a yes. rules official yes. over. And that was, I know that was in the discussion that they maybe get some more rules officials out there because it was so frequent. And pace of play, I know in the early rounds it's tough to have a rules official. You know, you have them located centrally on the golf course. And then on the in the final round, there's always a rules official with the last couple groups, correct? Well, no. So they're, they're staked out on the golf course. Okay. Um, so they have certain holes that they cover. Okay. Um, but if one's busy, then they'll call another one over. They're all in carts. They're usually sitting. They there's usually four, I believe, on the golf course. Could be three that uh, six holes, but I, I, usually there's four if I remember the number correctly. And you know, one's the senior official, but you know, then they meet every day and, and, and such. And they, these, they they do. I talk to these guys all the time because I'll ask about a rule. Hey, what happened there? What happened here? Hey, it, it, what if this occurred? What if that occurred? And uh, I, I think they do a great job. Yeah, uh, with it and. You know, a lot of times they just know, hey, this is a, the simple drop here. Matter of fact, in the in the read instance on number fifteen, when the, the marshal who's helping him find the ball stepped on his ball, like that was yeah. the issue. Like you know, it, it that's went, an easy uh, ruling, though. Yeah, that yeah. was an easy ruling. Um, and, and the official told him, um, and Patrick says, I, I can't ground my club. He's like, No, you can ground your club. You can you can now take a practice swing. He goes, But be careful, like don't move the ball. Like that could cause it to move the ball. Like uh, you can go, so you'd go over to a spot further away, similar grass, right, to practice that. Yep. Because if you move the ball on a practice swing, it's your deep. Yeah, there's. It, would you? Well, would it be a, an is issue? It in the, is it in the hazard? Yes. Yes. Then I think it, I believe it's still an issue in the hazard. Now, here you know, here we are a year into the rules changes. I'm a PGA professional. I've been to three classes on this, and I'm still not comfortable with the new rules because you know you're, you drew a comfort and you worked within the old rules set for 30 years. Right. And now it's one year in, and they did make some major changes. I'm not quite sure. I still think if you're deemed to have caused the ball to move with your practice swing in the hazard, there would be a penalty. I don't believe so out of the fairway. Uh, it being out of the hazard. Out right? of the hazard. Right. In the, in the um, what they, I think they might have changed the term for that, through the green. Through it, the green, yes. right. Yes. Yeah, that's, yeah, it was meant to simplify the rules. But I, I found it interesting that he didn't know he could do that. But oh. probably, but probably, because he's probably just thinking, hey, I'm in a hazard, you can't ground the club. The old, the old rules, right? Right. I, that's it, that's your instinct. That's your go to as a player. That's your go to reflex. You've been playing for twenty five years, and you could never ground your club, never take a practice swing, yeah, never test the surface. You know, with the practice swing in the hazard. So I still think it's your reflex, even though he's probably played thirty events. I don't know, he's right. not hitting it in the hazard and hitting it out of the hazard every event. It's still it's still your go to reflex, I would imagine. And you want to be safe. You know the the other question I had on, on a ruling thing. This is why I just like talking. This is free form here because so many things are coming up uh, in this tournament. So when Justin Thomas hit his second shot mm -hmm. um, on 18 in regulation play, the 72nd hole, mm -hmm. 
I had asked John Rollins on our PGA Tour radio broadcast, I go, could he drop in the bunker? If he took the flag line, right? I mean, when you enter the hazard, you can take it all the way back, correct? Correct. It was red staked. Correct. All right. So I said, could he, in theory, there was, a, there was a bunker right there. I go, could he, in theory, just take that line? Could he drop in the bunker? Because the Bermuda Rough, and it was a downslope where, you know, the, the nearest point, hmm. you know, he'd end up going that way, club length. Uh, nearest point, right? I mean, take it, but you can take line, can't you? you? Can, I believe so. I, I don't know. I and this is where I'd have to have my rule book. But maybe because it wasn't water. Uh, well, drop. We're getting relief from a hazard into, but they don't call it a hazard anymore. That's a bunkers. penalty area. Yes, yes, it's a penalty area. And getting into another area like that's similar. I don't know if you can do that. Okay, it, you know, you couldn't go from one. You couldn't get relief from one condition and drop it in the same condition. You know, what I, well, he's getting relief from a condition. Well, you couldn't play. In couldn't the, play the ball in the penalty area. Couldn't play the ball in the penalty. Well, they didn't even find the ball. Well, they yeah, but they it never it never successfully negotiated the opposite margin though. So he would go back. No, it, it did. It did. So he did. So there was the way the way this is cut out is. Um, uh, let me try to explain it to you. So if you're looking down the hole, let let's say there's a a, a half circle cut out of gorge that he's got to cover, mm-hmm. and then there's a bunker. With rough, and then there's behind that bunker and rough, there's more red penalty area. So crosses red uh, penalty area, cro- uh, cro- comes back in play, crosses in play a bunker, and rough then goes back into a penalty area. All right. I so see. we had to drop. So it rolled back down the hill into the penalty area. No, it just it just it, it carried one part of the penalty area that was you know this half circle, this kind of tooth comes out. Yep. Um, and then. After that tooth, there's in-play area, which is a, a set of two bunkers mm-hmm. and some rough. And then after that, it is penalty area. That's how far left he hit it. Okay, got it. So, so he, he, he negotiated part of it, came back in play. It went back out of play. So he had to drop somewhere in that party he cleared once, I, right? I would think he could, as you explained it. That's where he dropped. He dropped in the rough. He took, he took two club lengths. Mm-hmm. From the red line and dropped in the rough. I was just wondering, could he take a line and drop in the in the bunker, thinking the sand might be more consistent than the Bermuda rough? Yeah, I, and I understand what you're saying. And as a player, the Bermuda rough is brutal, as you know. That stuff is it'll grab your club, but he's going to be hitting a shorter club, so it's a little more negotiable. And when you drop into a bunker, you don't always get a good line. Correct. And the so after we discussed this on the air. Um, when we watched Justin take his first drop, then we noticed, oh, the ball's rolling forward. So he he aptly knew that he was going to be able to place it because it kept because it, it kept, closer it to kept rolling yeah. f- uh, closer to the target, and so he's able to place the ball. Therefore, a better lie. Even that they've changed that with the hazard. There's a uh, semicircle you drop in, so it can go a little forward, but it can't breach the semicircle. So it it does. It's it's a little confusing yet, uh, and I I understand it, but I wouldn't be comfortable if it was me in that situation making a ruling for anybody. Let's put it or myself, as these guys aren't and with cameras all over, right? Because <laughs> you want to make sure you get it right. It's like because the cameras are around, I'm sucking my you know my stomach in first of all, so I can't be thinking about a ruling. <laughs> well, it's like uh, doing an NFL game now, right? I mean. Uh, everything, you know, is, is so scrutinized here. But they want to get right. right. I understand. But you know, there's like I, I look at some uh, when they take drops, like you know the pre- the precision they got to make. Like, come on, we know what two lengths is. Mm-hmm. Like these guys know what what two club lengths are. Right, fair amount. Like 
players know hey, that's where it went in. Like we've we've got a decent line there, where, and that's the stuff in. that slows down play that the USGA was trying to get rid of. Is you know taking out a club, putting a tee down, flapping it one more time, and that's they they allow you to estimate now. Yes, yes, which is supposed to expedite play, but the tour players don't. But I but I will say I I have had instance, instances on the ground where um, you know and listen I these are volunteers they don't see these guys every week hit the ball so I'm not um, and sometimes their backs are turned. And I was up near, um, I, I was about 100 yards short of a green. There was a water um, penalty area. I'm going to still call it a hazard. Yes, Sorry. it's force of habit. Water hazard to the right. Brooks Kepka actually had, it, it hit a cut trying to drive the green. This is Liberty National. Tried to drive the green. The ball was cutting, and it he was just, you know, 20 yards short of the green into the water. Well, the marshal um, was... Uh, telling him, oh, yeah, you went and you got to go back there. And I'm like, I, I, he starts walking. I go, Brooks, no, 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 no. And and there's also a spotter for CBS. And I go, you know, I said, Greg, you got him up here, right? He's like, yeah, he's way up there. I go, yeah, Brooks, you're you're up here, man. And even Rory McIlroy is playing when he came over and says, no, again, they're not rivals. He, <laughs> <laughs> he says, yeah, yeah, no, they're right. You should be up there. I go, yeah, your, your ball crossed right by this rock, which gave him another – 60 yards if you're not sure don't say a word if you're one of those marshals yes yeah, yes right they're they, they're nervous in the moment and maybe they didn't see it or and your angle too you know how it is you can't tell hey did i successfully negotiate that you right know, yeah what they're, line was it on it's hard to tell but they're and they're, they're afraid to stand up actually in the same hole um there was another play i forget the player the marshal had had to have seen it and none of it they, they're asking us Hey, did you see it? I said no. I, as Marshall, did you see? He's like, yeah. I go. Then you need. I go. You need to go tell them. It's okay. You're not going to be. You're not doing anything wrong. They need your help. They're looking for your help here. They're not looking for you to make a ruling. They're just looking for your help because they want to get it right. And Kev, do they? Will they go to the like if they have the sky cam? You know how they have the uh, the big cranes with the cameras sometimes have you ever seen them refer to that as far as where it might have crossed the hazard or if it negotiated the opposite? Um, sometime some uh. Have you seen that? I, I, because I, I've seen it where they've, they've shown the ball crossing. You know, say the eighteenth. Yes. Where did it? Where did it? Yeah. Go? Sometimes uh, I can't give you a specific thing, but I want to. I, I want to say that I remember a television announcer uh, getting a peek at a replay and telling the player, it looked it like down. it. Yeah, it looked like it went here. Because hmm. again, we all want to. Help them get it right, and all that information's allowed to be used. It's not like the you know, not like other sports where you can't use outside information right. or you know, someone calling it. I yes. do like that they got rid of the you can call in a penalty rule, and once the round's done, it's done. You know, all that yes. stuff too, where guys are getting penalized the next day and stuff like that. Yes, there are. Um, there was an instance once where a player I was up near the green, and I saw the player quickly play in a uh, high grass area, and I, I, I'm. I, I was looking down. I look up. I see him playing. I'm like, that, that's not where his ball is. Um, and I actually, the caddy for the other player came up and go, that's not his ball. And he goes, oh, what, what do you mean? I go, I'm telling you, his ball's up like 40 yards. And he goes, I don't know. He plays fast. And I'm like, I'm going to tell you right now. And so then, then all of a sudden, a marshal came over. I'm like, Did you, that wasn't your ball's up here. And it's like, well, wrong ball penalty. Blah, 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 blah. Whatever. I, so I have a quick anecdote about that. I was playing in a tournament, and I hit a ball, and I couldn't tell if it negotiated the hazard because it was over a ridge. And I thought I found my ball. I played up. It had the markings, a green dot, blah, blah. I walked three steps. There's a 
same brand, same ball, same exact markings. It's my first time through there. I couldn't prove which ball was mine. So, uh, so what did you do? So, what was the deal? Uh, I had to go. Well, didn't work out well for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had to. Yeah, it was a bad day anyway. All right. But, so, uh, what, what, what's the ruling? You know, I, since I couldn't prove my ball, uh, I, I, I'm. There's penalties, there's disqualification because I proceeded to the next tee. There was no way for me to identify which ball was mine. I couldn't differentiate. The only way I could differentiate is I knew I pulled a new ball out of the sleeve like three holes ago. And being a gentleman's game, yeah, you took the penalty and dropped Correct. the ball, right? Correct, yes. Okay. Well, well, I took the penalty, which at the time was DQ because I didn't remediate the situation before I went to the next tee. Oh. So, but that was the 17th hole it happened on, um, so, but... But I digress. Yes. Okay. All yeah, right. But just a little note there. If you're marking your golf balls, make sure it's unique. Some kind, yeah, some Mine's kind of. Mine's not that unique. Uniquely, well, that's where you play a, a logo ball, for that's sure. Right. Hey, um, what should people be doing right now? Uh, you know, uh, our audience here in western New York, where we're located, what should they be doing now to um, plan for the golf season, mm -hmm. to keep themselves in golf shape, what should they be doing to work on their game? What, what sort of things should they be doing? You know, I see you're, you tend to get a little more sedentary and you're not swinging as much. Um, movement, you know, functional movement for golf, lunges. Um, one of the things I've found, in, in, and if you go, you know, go to the dome and hit balls maybe once a week or something like that, make some left-handed swings. If you're a right-handed golfer, Turn around and make a bunch of left-handed swings maybe before and after your session. It'll release those muscles. It'll, it'll help you stay a little, uh, a little more, creates a little better movement patterns in your body for the spring. Also, I think it's a just, I've always thought it's a great time to get better at putting. I use a putting arc um, that has a, it's not straight back and straight through. It's on a little bit of an arc. And um, I put my butt against the wall and I put the heel of my putter on that arc and I make a bunch of strokes. Um, just ingraining that path, working on keeping my body very steady, very quiet. You know, when you watch good players on TV and the tour players, their lower bodies don't move at all. 99% of the people I give lessons to in clinics and everything else, they're, they're, their knees are wiggling or their bodies are moving when they're putting. And, and you know, your, your body should be like a tripod when you're out there. You're trying to, you know, you're, you have a strong, solid base. That's what you want to work on. You know, find a little three-foot straight putt at home and, or a putting rug and hit a ton of three-footers right in the center of the hole all winter. So when you get up over a putt in the spring – as three footers look like they're nothing or, or have a hole reducer anything you can do putting is is it's you know i i think people should spend about 40 percent of their time practicing putting well 99 percent of the people don't do that during the summer so make up for that during the winter and do a lot of drills and stuff that'll help your putting hitting golf balls in the dome is is just to keep you loose and or maybe make a few swing changes you're not actually going to get too much better just hitting balls for hitting balls sake i i someone Asked me like, oh, you must go to the dome all the time. I said, I actually don't. I I might hit once during the winter yeah. in the dome, and they're like, well, well, you know, what do you do? And I said, I I chip and putt yeah. a lot in the uh, in your basement here. In my basement here, yes, <laughs> yeah. in our home studio. Thanks, uh, to, thanks to custom custom turf. Yeah, yeah. no, it's great. And I explained. It. I said, you know, I've got uh, different uh, rough around there. As certain spots I can chip from. I practice short chips. I'll. Mm -hmm. I'll go through to the uh, open the door and go through to the other room and have different lengths. Uh, well, it's, you have to be accurate to get through the doorway. Or sounds like a viral video, video on Twitter. Kev. Yeah, it could be <laughs> uh, marks in the wall and uh, you know just uh, short little uh, chip shots there. But uh, and and then then I'll putt and it just just to keep they're the scoring clubs, right? The other the other thing I think that you could do is try to work on creating more speed. 
you know, during the winter, you know, if you're going to the dome, try to bash it, try to hit your six iron, you know, because you'll tend to get in patterns where you're not creating speed and you're not hitting drivers very much or you're not trying to hit. So it's a good time to maybe learn to create more speed. And a quick note, you create speed by swinging a lighter club faster than swinging a heavier club. A heavier club will make you stronger. Swinging a lighter club or just a shaft even as fast as you can will create speed. Yeah, uh, you have a good drill there where you take the – you basically hold the club right by the uh, the head of the you know metal, the mm-hmm. driver, whatever, yep. and flip it upside down. Flip it upside down yep. and just swing as fast as you can like a baseball swing, right? Yeah, and you want to hear that whoosh, you know, that swish, and that swish should be at impact and beyond, so you're actually accelerating. Listen for that swish. Do you swish. swing it like a regular swing? I swing it like a regular swing, but I'm trying to swing a lot faster. Okay. Because um, if you aren't practicing creating speed, you won't create speed. Um, and it's a great drill for kids. If you got young kids... You know, up to 13 or 14 even, you know, just let them turn a club around and see how fast they can swing. You know, we can teach them to hit it straight later. You want to have them learn to create speed young because at a certain age, you those pathways start to evaporate. So you you won't be able to create more speed. I mean, you can. There's things you can do to create more speed. But as a rule, you learn that when you're younger. And if you get older, you want to relearn that. You want to get back to creating swing speed. A lot of people played baseball or softball and could create speed. But then they go out there and they're trying to hit it easy or swing easy. Right. And I'm trying to hit it as far as I can. So that would be a great thing to do during the winter. But like I said, you want to activate your body a little bit, get warmed up before you do that. And, and just try to practice creating speed throughout the winter. And that'd be a, that'd be a really good goal if you wanted to come out in the spring and, and have more speed in your swing. All right. Good stuff there. So uh, get on there. Create some create some speed. Uh, work on your putting. Work on your putting. Dry, if you can drive it far and putt well, you're in good shape. People want a lesson. Mm-hmm. How do they get a hold of you? Uh, Jeff Metis, PGA at Hotmail.com, or my phone number, 716-574-6671. There you go. See, uh, he put out his email and cell phone on a podcast. Which there you go. dangerous. Uh, big news coming, too, from yep. uh, TD Green and Jeff Metis. So we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, it's a tease. That's a tease. That's a tease for you. Uh, we're sorry Brian couldn't be here, but he's got a real job. Yes. Uh, no, Brian McCold, you unable to be with us today. But thanks for listening to the TD Green po- Podcast, brought to you by our friends at Donald Ross Sportswear. If it's not in your pro shop, ask for it. Donald Ross Sportswear. Great stuff. We'll talk to you next time here on TD Green.